Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kitty. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Oh, I'm back. That's right. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. I am back, and I am feeling so much better. Thank you for asking, by the way. I appreciate you being concerned for my well-being. Um, what movie? Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that's right. When they go and they they ring the doorbell, Mr. Rooney, and he has the pre-canned recording. I appreciate you for concerned for my well-being. <laughs> Have a nice day. But no, I'm not Ferris Bueller. I'm Brian Nichols, the host of The Brian Nichols Show, and I'm back and I'm feeling better than I ever have before because I am stoked for this week's episode because I have what I believe to be the answer that will hopefully solve a lot of the Libertarian Party's questions and concerns and, and doubts, honestly, in terms of our ability to be, what, professional, successful, um, relevant in 2020. And that is uh, a guy who's running for Libertarian Party chair. And he's been on the show before. You guys should be familiar with him. And if not, I'm sure you've seen him over on Twitter. It is the Libertarian in Chief, Todd Hagopian. Now, Todd joins the show today to first and foremost introduce himself to you folks who did not get to check out his his last appearance on The Brian Nichols Show, which I will be certain to include, folks, because it is a great episode, um, but also to talk about what he's going to do as Libertarian Party chairman. What's his vision? Um, but also, why the heck is he running for Libertarian Party chair as a very successful businessman in the private sector as it is? So as always, please enjoy today's episode. And if you find some value out of it, please share with family and friends. But hey, I'm not going to keep you guys away from this episode any longer. On to the show, Todd Hagopian, the Libertarian in Chief, returning to The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you, Brian. Good to be back. Good to have you back, sir, because you are a very busy man. And I say that because you have been doing a lot behind the scenes in libertarian politics. Now, obviously, full disclaimer, right, to start the show, this is a libertarian party, libertarian politics-centric podcast. Don't let that scare you away because I'm talking to Todd today because Todd is, is taking the step to become the next chairperson of the Libertarian National Committee and hopefully give the Libertarian Party a leader that will lead the Libertarian Party to a... Oh, shall we say a more positive tomorrow? Um, so Todd, for those of the listeners who maybe didn't get the chance to listen to your last appearance on the Brian Nichols show, let's kind of start things off from the, the start. Who are you? What the heck are you doing running for Libertarian uh, Party chairman? And uh, I, really, what's your uh, liberty story? 
Sure, absolutely. So my name is Todd Hagopian. I am a businessman at the moment. I've been uh, turning around businesses for the past 10 years since getting a, a finance and marketing MBA at Michigan State University. So I've been fortunate enough to work for three different Fortune 500 companies. And I've kind of developed a niche where I take over a business unit that needs some help, diagnose the problems, come up with the strategy, uh, pitch that strategy to leadership, get that approved, and then execute that strategy, turn around the business, and then get out and do it again. Uh, so that's essentially what I'm doing now. Uh, I'm currently uh, in the Berkshire Hathaway family of companies running a company in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so that's my business aspect. From a libertarian standpoint, I was a libertarian Republican for a long time, basically kind of converted towards the libertarian Republican back when Justin Amash ran and, and during the Ron Paul days. Um, didn't have that big aha moment that a lot of people talk about. I just started liking what I was hearing and started doing more and more research. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, very, very liberal town, and I was very, very conservative, and you developed some pretty sharp elbows. Um, and so I was very used to just block punch every time somebody would bring up anything that wasn't hardcore Republican. And it took me a few years. So I went through a process and, and slowly did a lot of self, you know, analyzing of the arguments I was making and whether I really believed them um, and started moving towards that libertarian Republican. And, and oddly enough, I didn't even really think about the libertarian party because the two guys I just mentioned were Republicans. Right. right. So. Yep. So I thought, you know, that was the normal way to to get involved with the liberty movement. Um, come 2016, you know, with the election, I, I just realized that the party had left me pretty well completely. Uh, prior to the convention, the Libertarian Convention, I endorsed Austin Peterson. He touted that endorsement on social media. I tried to raise some money for him uh, on social media, joined the Ohio party, um, and then joined the Libertarian Party thereafter, uh, along with the Pragmatic Caucus. And, and basically, I've been a Libertarian ever since uh, and online, you know, obviously started started talking online and people seem to like the logical, reasonable explanations of uh, what a Libertarian is and, and started gaining a following. And that's kind of what brought me here. Yeah, I was going to say, and you can be found over on Twitter because that's where I found you. It's uh, the Libertarian in Chief at Todd Hagopian, uh, which obviously will include all your links to your social media as well as your, your candidacy sure. page in the show notes. But like I mentioned to to start the show, you're here because you're seeking the yeah. the, the chairmanship for the Libertarian Party. Now, one thing that you, you mentioned from the very start, and this is actually one thing that I've heard behind the scenes of people saying, why is why is Todd Hagopian running for Libertarian Party chair? And, and right now, just to kind of set the stage for the audience, we, we have the existing chairman, uh, Nicholas Sarwark. Uh, we have Joshua Smith, who is the Mises Caucus um, you know, candidate who, who's been endorsed by by the Mises Caucus and, and the, the groups over there, including uh, you know, the likes of Tom, Tom Woods, uh, Dave, Dave Smith. I'm not sure if actually Tom Woods and them have, have endorsed um, Joshua, but the Mises Caucus has. So, um, you know, definitely I know that that group is, is, is supporting Joshua. And then there's you, Todd. Now, one thing you, you mentioned from the start is your, your business acumen. And really yeah. what your role was, was to go into companies, diagnose the problem, and then offer the solution. Now, I, I'm myself in, in, you know, in private uh, industry, and, and that, to me, is exactly somebody we need for the Libertarian Party. And I say that not to say that the Libertarian Party is bad, not to say that the Libertarian Party is, you know, lost in the woods to the extent that there's no finding the daylight, um, but I dare say that 2016 Libertarians had it easy 
in, in leadership because they were running candidates that were competing against quite literally the two worst candidates in American history and Donald Trump yep. and Hillary Clinton. Um, and we should have done a lot better than what we did. Um, I'm, I'm going to take the, you know, what was it? 3% whatever national vote we got as a win, but it's not a real win. It's, it's kind of like a, a, you know, a, what a moral win. It's like, Hey, we did better than we've done before. That's right. not saying much. We still got third. Um, but I definitely see that there is a really big opportunity right now for a, an alternative voice in American politics. So let's kind of start off with your your experience in business, and, and this is your day job. Let's look at the Libertarian Party, right? What sure. do you diagnose right now, Todd, as, I guess, the main problems that the Libertarian Party is facing, and really, what are your solutions to those problems? Right. Well, let's talk about what got me here. So the 2016 election, for example, like you said, we're going up against the two worst candidates in history. So many people, highest disapproval ratings in history. And and we come away with 3%. And there's, uh, you know, half of the party thinks that's a huge win and half of the party thinks it isn't. And, and this is how I would say it. Yes, we got a lot more points or votes than other people uh, in, have in the past, right? But it's the equivalent of losing to the Patriots by 50 one week and then celebrating because you lose to the Browns by 35 the next week. Amen. Oh, okay, we you did better, uh, but it was a different team, right? You're going up against right. the worst candidates ever. You should have done much better than you did. Um, so I don't see 2016 as a victory. It was a great fundraising year. That one I, I'll give us, like we did really good on fundraising. However, by 2018, we were broke. And what that signals to me is an organization in distress. Um, you can't come off of your best fundraising year and be broke two years later. If you do that in business, you get fired. Um, and then 2018 comes and we have a very hotly contested chair race, you know, and and essentially Nick wins again and it and it becomes a fractured party. Now we have the um, the Nick, you know, libertarians and then the anti-Nick libertarians, essentially. Um, and so when I'm looking at this all and I'm looking at the finances and trying to figure out what needs to be done inside the party, and I'm thinking to myself, we need to be fixed. And there's a very specific skill set that it takes to fix an organization. And I believe I have that skill set because that's what I do for a living. It's what I've been doing for 10 years. Um, and so I'm not running to be the best libertarian in the country. I'm not. I'm not running to be the most active activist in the country. I'm not. I haven't been a state chair. Um, I haven't done these things. What I've done is turned around businesses the size of $800 million, $50 million, $100 million businesses. And we're talking about a $2 million business here. So do I think I can come in and make a difference in this party and right the ship and then hand it off to maybe the best libertarian in the party or the best activist in the party? Yes. And I think now's the time where that skill set is what we need rather than to just keep putting somebody in there that doesn't know how to fix the organization first, which is what we need right now. Oh, no, we definitely need something. Now, now I'm going to lay all my cards on the table, right? I have had um, quite <laughs> quite open um, disagreements with our, our current chairman, uh, Mr. Sarwak. And, you know, I, I went after his former vice chair pretty, pretty um, intensely there back in, in 2018 in Arvind Vora. Um, I just, I, I looked at what they were doing from a, a, you know, a leadership perspective and, and really a mission perspective. And I, I didn't see what the goal was. I really didn't see an end game. It seemed kind of, you know, Nick was, was po poking people just to poke people. And Arvin was just being, um, you know, just 
just outrageous in some of his statements just to be outrageous. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, we have Alex Merced now is our, our sitting vice chair for the Libertarian Party. And I think Alex has been doing a fantastic job. Alex is a good friend of the show and a personal good friend. Yep. Um, now, last uh, election in the Libertarian uh, libertarian elections, I endorsed Josh Smith. Um, and this election, I was saying, you know, I I need to find a person that I can support um, that's not just not Nick. I need to find somebody who um, I think can actually fix what's quote unquote wrong with the Libertarian Party. And actually, you know, I've been working with a lot with the Libertarian Party right now. I officially became a member back um, a few months ago and I'm doing, you know, active recruitment, trying to bring people to the Libertarian Party for the, the sake of changing the Libertarian Party for the better. Um, so I guess to, to start off, Todd, what would you say is kind of your vision, right? What What do you see as a libertarian party two years from now, let's say, you know, Todd Hagopian gets elected and he gets to to have the reins of the libertarian party for two years. What does a libertarian party look like after those two years of a, a Hagopian administration? Yeah, it's great. I mean, we have to do three main things and only three things. We need to first professionalize the party. Second, create a core branded message of what a libertarian is. And then third, we need to start winning local elections. So when you look at professionalizing the party, this is about turning around the party, right? Turning around the finances, making sure the org structure is right, making sure that every single dollar is working as hard and as effectively as possible. Because once people realize that their time, money, and effort is being used as efficiently and effectively as possible, they're willing to give more of that time, money, and effort. Today, you know, 95% of the hours that are spent on this party are volunteer. And we're asking people to volunteer with terrible ROI on those hours and those dollars. And we need to improve those. And then we will be able to get more volunteers and we'll be able to get people more passionate and drive more uh, people to help us down the road. So that's about professionalizing the party and also just knocking out some of the nonsense on mm-hmm. top. That well, you know, it's funny before about. you before I let you go forward. That's actually one of my biggest things I've been I've been promoting here is and I, I actually it's funny. I was just listening to an episode I did um, with with my friend Stephen Ignoramus' show, Call Me Ignorant, and he asked me, you know, <laughs> what the, one of the problems I saw the Libertarian Party was, and I was honest. I said honestly, like part of the problem is that nobody is going to take the Libertarian Party seriously. Until they take themselves seriously. Like that's, exactly. that's super important because if you're, you know, and, and I, I know we get it. Like, you know, the James Weeks running out on stage, um, you know, naked, like, okay, we, we get it like that happened. But like when you mention the libertarian party, do people outside of the liber- libertarian party, that's what they remember. They, they remember yeah. that happening. And it's not a matter of like libertarians saying, oh, we can't get past it. It's like, no, no, no. That happened a short yeah. four <laughs> years ago. And like, Real people who vote and are looking for alternatives, they saw that, and that had a lasting impression, just, just as much exactly. as, you know, Gary doing his Aleppo thing. Um, so I'm glad to hear that, you know, professionalizing the LP is is one of your your goals. So let's kind of go to uh, the, ne- the next step, branding the yeah, LP. What's the vision for that? And nicely, right, because, because the Meeks thing is all about um, a branding problem. So today, if you ask people, what is a Republican? They're going to know the answer. They're going to say they're for small government and less taxes, and that's going to drive the economy, and it's going to help everybody. If you ask them what a Democrat is, they're going to know the answer. They protect minority rights. They protect poor people, and they want everyone to pay their fair share in taxes. Okay, that is called a brand because that never happens on either side, but everybody can say the words of what those two parties means when they – 
when people ask what a libertarian is, we have these obnoxious answers about minarchist and ANCAPs and anarchist, and that is not a definition of a brand. Those are different sectors or sections of libertarianism, but that's not a definition of a brand. The brand sounds something like they want dramatic reform on war, meaning let's not do it. They want dramatic reform on criminal justice, meaning let's not put people in jail when there's no victims. They want dramatic reform on taxes, meaning how about we cut half of the $4 trillion that we're spending every year uh, and start there, you know, and, and this, this is how you build a brand. And so when I'm talking about building a core branded message, what I want is us to look at how we want people to describe ourselves in that 30-second elevator speech. We have 34 planks of the Libertarian Party. We don't all have to agree on all 34 planks every minute of the day. We need to have a, a handful of core issues that if you believe in this issues, in these issues, we are okay having you in the party. You can have some disagreements. Nobody here was born a Libertarian most people, most people come to it. They change their views. They get over to our side. And it's not about watering down the message, which I think is what the leader of our party does today. It goes out and says, no matter what you believe, we have room for you. It's not about that at all. It's about having a very targeted core message of if you believe these three or four things, we want you to come into the party, even if you have some disagreements on the other 30. Mm -hmm. um, and that is how you build the core message. Then when people ask what a libertarian is, they say, oh, OK, a libertarian, no war, no crimes without victims and lower taxes and less spending. I mean, that sounds like a, a good winning message to me, um, honestly, relative to what we have now. Right. I mean, and, and that's actually one thing you brought up about um, Chairman Sarwark, and that was actually uh, very visible in his debate with. Um, with Dave Smith at the Soho Forum. And actually, Dave had uh, Nick on his show the following day. And one of the things that Nick said um, that kind of it caught me, and I think it kind of caught Dave and the rest of the audience off guard, was he said, you know, if, if Dick Cheney ran for president as a libertarian, <laughs> that you should vote for him. And, the, and like my jaw hit the floor. I was at the gym and I was like, did he just say that out loud? Like, that's <laughs> that's the thing that like, even if like he he believes it, like you don't say that part. That's like the the quiet part you say it out loud. Uh, like right. you're not supposed to do that. Um, and that I think you, you hit the nail on the head. And you say it's watering down the messaging. Like it doesn't matter, you know what the messaging is at that point. If the candidate isn't going to be reflecting the messaging, if you have a candidate who's so wishy washy, also on principles, that's going to lead to you know obviously wishy washy messaging. Um, I think you know obviously one of the biggest problems, and and we'll go into. Uh, questions that were raised by my audience. Um, but that kind of goes into that whole herding cast mentality. It's like, well, everybody has their own message and how do we get that together? And we'll, we'll address that in a second, but uh, let's kind of go to the last part of your, your vision. That is winning uh, local elections. What's what kind of the vision um, for, for a Todd Hagopian libertarian party to help those local races actually, you know, have some success and get some registered libertarians into elected office. Sure. Well, there's tens of thousands of elections across the country. Right. And right now, we focus on the presidential election and maybe the Senate and the House races. So we focus on basically, you know, 500 plus basically unwinnable elections unless something dramatic happens. Um, now, there's tens of thousands of other seats out there, many of which are actually nonpartisan and have very low barriers to entry, meaning low signature requirements, low dollars on filing fees. What we need to do is come up with a list 
of winnable elections in every state. And that might be 87 in Michigan, where there is low filing fees, low signature requirements, nonpartisan, and not a lot of people run for it, sometimes even unopposed. You know, sometimes they're out there hunting for somebody to be on that school board. And we need to put libertarians in these positions so that we can start winning local elections and actually influencing local politics. Mm -hmm. And what that does is allows us to have elected officials who then can run for the state house and the state Senate with wins under their belt and with, you know, media coverage and with people who know them personally and have been affected by their libertarian policies you know, you look at Hewitt out in California, and when he won his large nonpartisan election, everybody that worked on his campaign will now be working on other libertarian campaigns around the state. And not only that, but libertarian membership went up because people were listening to the message. It wasn't that he was hiding he was a libertarian. He just didn't have to run against an R or right. a D. Yep. And, and so that's how you win. You're not going to win president before you win your first House seat. You're not going to win president before you win your first 20 House seats. And you're not going to win your first 20 House seats before you win a thousand local races and get those ideas out there. Oh, I'm already on board with you. And and one of the things being in Philadelphia that's been driving me crazy is that we have, and, and today, you know, peek behind the curtain, we're recording here on election day. Um, yeah. And I had the utmost pleasure of being the first person in my poll booth to actually go <laughs> and cast my vote for Maj Tory. And I don't, I don't know if the Libertarian Party National Committee has really done much to help him. And like, and like, I'm not saying that um trying to be vindictive or anything towards the LP National, but like, I, I honestly don't know. And if they they did it. I don't, I didn't see anything. Like I didn't hear anything from LP national promoting him today. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and like, I think this is a very winnable election because he's running for, for city council at large, which is beyond. So in traditional city councils, you have your, your designated zones where you're a, a councilman or a councilwoman. Right. Um, yep. but in the, uh, in a, in the at large, um, area you, you can be from anywhere um and that's what what maj is running for is is to be you know an at-large city council member and he he's been doing an amazing job with this kind of grassroots effort um to, to actually you know win an election which for libertarians like we talked about earlier like that doesn't seem to usually be the goal to win an election it's like oh right. we got four percent that's 0.6 percent better than last time it's like oh, okay um but maj actually has been doing a lot to to win um so i would love to see an lp national not only help these more you know these very prominent local races like a city council in philadelphia or a city council in new york or what have you but also enable and empower the the more uh you know whether it's the state um the state chapters or the the local you know city chapters of the libertarian party to empower them and, and give them more resources to be able to help these type of candidates especially the candidates like amaj who's who's you know, doing a lot of good stuff. And he's really, um, you know, bringing a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't hear the libertarian message. He's bringing that out there and he's bringing them into the movement. And I think that is, is going to be so much more beneficial, not only from growing the libertarian party, but also it's more beneficial than, than just, you know, having somebody run for president every four years and say, right. that's really what we're doing. We're, just, we're, we're being the alternative. Like, okay, that what's that one over the past 40, 50 years. I mean, how many libertarian presidents have we really had? Oh, none. Okay. Like right. let's actually make some substantive changes here in our local communities, you know? Well, and imagine, imagine if one of those 87 races in, in Pennsylvania was this race. Okay. And let's say he only gets 19% of the vote, but if the libertarian party has their CRM, their customer relationship management 
um, up to snuff, and this is one of the core races that we're always going to focus on, then they just captured information on 19% of the vote right. in that district. And the next time he runs or somebody else runs, that information can be transferred. Those are the kinds of things that we don't do today. So whether or not the Libertarian Party will ever be able to afford to throw money at local races or not, we can do more from an information standpoint, an IT standpoint, and a sales standpoint, and more, most importantly, a focus standpoint so that we're mm -hmm. always focusing on the same races so that we can utilize past information. And then I would argue the same thing that you're saying, which is the the money at, that we are spending, we need to look at where we're spending it and whether or not 500 bucks to that campaign would have done more than $50,000 to to this program. Um, right. And I don't even you know think that we're spending all that much on the, on the federal campaigns, but the programs and different things that they're putting in place, could that money be better spent on local winning winning districts, not like Philly, but other districts where maybe you only need 300 votes to win, mm -hmm. you know, and we start yep. getting those people in. The other nice thing about these local nonpartisan races is a lot of them are part time. You can get the successful business person in your district to actually run and do that race without having to quit his job and try and go full time and do a congressional race. So you get a different type of candidate as well. Amen. So let's uh, let's do this. Let's take a little bit of a 180 here, and and we're gonna go to some of the questions that I not only reached out to for my audience, but also uh, some of your Twitter fans. Um, because sure. I mean, obviously, Libertarian Chief, you got a lot of a uh, a lot of follows over there on on social media. But also, uh, you know, let's let's kind of start here from a, a podcasting perspective. Uh, one of my fellow podcasters, uh, Fritz from the Fritzcast, great guy. Um, he was one of the first people to jump on and ask a question, and his question was to you. Why do you believe, Mr. Todd Hagopian, that you are the best of the pool of other candidates, being Nicholas Sarwark and Joshua Smith, to uh, to to you know be the the chairman for the Libertarian Party? Yeah, and and it's a very specific answer, and it is I only believe that if the party is ready for this type of change. Okay, if the party wants, if the party thinks we are doing good and we are on the right trajectory, then I am not the correct candidate to choose. But if the party thinks that we need to spend our resources better and grow faster and something inherently needs to be fixed, then I am the right person because there's a very specific skill set that it takes to do that. And I have done it at, at three different very successful companies. Gotcha. Um, let's go to uh, my my personal good friend. Uh, you guys all know her. MJ Morgan is a wizard over on Twitter. Um, <laughs> she asks, uh, how important is it to engage the youth vote? And that's not millennials, but more specifically, Generation Zs. That's part one of her question. Part two, how would you go about engaging those Gen Zers? Sure. So first of all, obviously, extremely important. If you've done research, what you'll find is that Gen Z is about 50% bigger than either of the previous two generations. They're, they're a very large uh, voting block that's coming of age right now and, and will be a strong voting block going forward. And, and more importantly, they're going to be replacing a voting block that's, that's pretty darn conservative. So this is going to shift how politics is done in this country. And it is something that we absolutely need to be focused on. So the first part of the question, yes, it's extraordinarily important. The second part, we have to learn how Gen Z is interacting with data, how they're interacting with products and people. And what you'll find if you do some infographic research, what you'll find is that Gen Z values product more than experience 
whereas millennials were big on the experience. The product didn't matter as much as how you felt while you were using the product. Gen Z, with all this innovation going on around them, is much more focused on product and, and what the product actually is, which makes branding about a million times more important than it even has been up until now, which is one of the reasons I'm focusing on that so much. So what's the biggest website that these guys use for the most part? It comes out as YouTube. So the Libertarian Party is on YouTube. But if you go to that YouTube page, what you're going to find are things like training videos on how to how to be a Libertarian candidate. Uh, from a candidate standpoint, I think Arvind Bora is the first candidate in the candidate section on hmm. YouTube right now. Um, so we have all these great candidates running for president, all these great local candidates. And Arvind Bora has like three videos up there in the candidate section. First Interesting. Thing up. Um and so the important part here is you have to know where they're going for their information. And then the second thing is what kind of information you want them to see. Uh, so when I was at Whirlpool, for example, we had a, a we realized that people were starting to type in things like working at Whirlpool to figure out if they wanted to work there. That was how Gen Z and Gen and the later version of Gen Y was trying to figure out where to work. So we ran a contest called Working at Whirlpool. And if you made a video of your experience at Whirlpool, you got entered into the contest. And suddenly we had 50 working at Whirlpool videos that were all extraordinarily positive. And when people Googled it, it popped up. That was the first thing that popped up was 50 <laughs> people talking about how much they loved working at Whirlpool. And, and so there's easy ways to, to get your message out in the right mediums. But first, you have to understand the people that you're marketing to. Then you have to understand how they get their information. And then you have to understand what message you want them to see. And we are basically doing none of those three things right now. Well, it, it seems like, you know, what we've seen from a lot of whether well, it's Libertarian Party, um, you know, I'd say Libertarian Party members in general uh, or candidates is is more of like, this is our principles. Look how great we are, which don't get me wrong. Our principles are great. And, and that's awesome. But it doesn't mean as much as to say, these are our great principles instead of saying, here's our great principles and here's how they can help you. And that's, exactly. and that's the thing I think like you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. We're missing that um, so much. Uh, so definitely that, that it gets me excited to hear that we're actually hopefully going towards that kind of a, of an approach with a, a Todd Hagopian uh, chairmanship. Now let's go to the next question I have here. It's a two-parter um, because it, there are two similar questions, but from two different people. So we have Colo Libertarian over on, on uh, Twitter, good, good friend of mine on, on Twitter and then Libertarian Redhead. Um, both obviously you can tell are pseudonyms. Um, but uh, first question from Libertarian Redhead, uh, what have you accomplished working within the structure of the LNC? And then to follow up on that, uh, Cola Libertarian asks, do you have any people running for other board member seats who also support you or your policies? Yeah, so Libertarian Redhead and I message back and forth here and there. Uh, and I will answer this question very directly. I have done absolutely nothing within the LNC framework. I will follow that up with, if you asked any of my opponents what they've done to change the refrigeration industry or the shopping cart industry, they would have the same answer. So I have spent the last 10 years building a different kind of resume than my opponents, and that is what I'm running on. Um, so I understand the question, and I understand that people would love to have a different answer. I was talking to Kokesh the other day, and he said, you know, my ideal candidate would be somebody who's run a state party, who's run for president before who has business experience and has turned around things, that's my ideal candidate, but we're never going to find that. Um, so this is an election about having a couple of different choices. 
you've got the businessman who knows how to turn things around, and then you've got the activist, and then you've got the person who's been, you know, a fairly good voice of the party um, for X number of his years as chairman. Uh, so that's the answer to her question, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've done nothing within the LNC framework because I have not been mm -hmm. within the LNC framework. Okay. Um, the second part of the question was, do I have basically a slate of candidates running with me? Uh, for, no. for not only a slate of candidates, but also uh, people who are board members, um, you know, seeking yeah. re-election. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, and I did that on purpose. I, I could have gone out and tried to get people to run with me. I, A, didn't want to be a drag on them, and B, didn't want anyone to be a drag on me. I, I don't like going and trying to convince the delegates that they should vote for a series of people at once. I don't think that's a good strategy. Um, we all have our own pros and cons, and that's how we should put it forward. I do, however, believe that you will find people repeating my message as we get to the convention, whether or not they're on my team, you know, quote unquote team, or just repeating my message. I could actually care less because part of this run is just about getting us to talk about the right things. And so even if my competitors started to use these three prongs as their platform, I would be 100% okay with that because because we need to do this stuff. And I don't really care if I win or not, as long as the party does the right things and moves forward. So hopefully, so let me, let me, let me pull one of the, I forget the lady's name who's interviewing Jordan Peterson, but so what you're saying is, is that even if you don't win, you're hoping that the libertarian uh, chairman who does end up winning at least takes some of your ideas and hopefully implements them into policy. I actually hope they take all of my ideas <laughs> and turn around the party and, you know, I mean, there's, there's a reason that those are the three and there's only three, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. very targeted, yep. very focused, uh, but I don't think that there's a winning recipe without those three, but, but yes, you know, if, if that were to happen, this would have been a win and I'm not right. saying I'm playing to lose cause I'm not, I think I can win this thing and that's why I got in. Um, but yeah, my message, I want it out there and I'm not going to call people out for copying it or for jumping on board and I'm not going to make them endorse me, you know, feel free to run for a board seat with the same message. And cause the more people that are saying it, the more likely it is to happen. Amen. Let's go to, uh, we're, cause we're getting close to uh, wrapping up on time here already. Um, but here's a couple more questions. So, and I'm apologizing in advance if I butcher your names here. Eliyahu Naiman, um, asks, what are some mistakes that the LP has made? Number one, but also what are some of the things that the LP has done? Right? Sure. So, I mean, I think, I think in, as far as what they've done right, they've stayed true to their roots. They haven't tried to change too much about the rules. I don't, you know, a lot of people say that delegate stacking is happening and that kind of thing. I think for the most part, we've done a good job at, at keeping the rules the same and not really bending towards one candidate or the other. Um, I know I've heard things from 2016 and whatnot, but for the most part, I'd say that's true. I don't think that we're pre-selecting winners. Uh, like the other parties do. And I think that's really good. Some of the things that we've done wrong, I think are just from a finance and budgeting standpoint. I don't think there's any way to argue that we've done things right after almost going broke, you know, after a very successful fundraising run in 2016. And I think we're watering down our message too much. So I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've already talked about some of the things that we've done wrong. Um, but there's definitely pros and cons to the way the LP is running right now. How about um, some of the mistakes they've done? Well, I think I think having leaders that are basically out there trying to make waves basically for their own personal gain or for their own personal reasons 
is a pretty bad mistake. So like you, I was anti-Arvin. I almost ran for that vice chair until Alex announced, and then I endorsed Alex. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that he was clearly trying to get his name out there in a big way. Um, Nick seems to be doing a little bit of that now. Uh, some people would say a lot. Um, and, and so I think anytime a leader is trying to put his name out there instead of put the principles of the party or the branding of the party out there, that's a pretty big mistake. And, and that hurts us every day. Oh, no, I am 100% on board with you there. Um, let's go to a couple more questions here. Now, this <laughs> there, there's a couple questions here that were asked, um, and they all seem to have a reoccurring theme, um, and they're weird. So let's <laughs> let's kind of, um, well, not, not, okay, let me rephrase that. They're not weird. It's just a matter of, like, y- you can see partly why the Libertarian Party is having trouble in, like, getting a, a unified, cohesive message or branding just because of these questions. So here, here's some of the questions. Um, Anarcho Capital asked, ask him how he's going to counter status brainwashing. That's part one. <laughs> um, another question was uh, from Tillman, will you denounce all neocons and kick them out of the Libertarian Party? Um, let's see. There was one more here I wanted to ask you to. Where was it? Um, oh, yeah. And then the uh, the last one was would a person like Gary Johnson pass Todd Hagopian's libertarian purity test? So let me do this. <laughs> We're just going to take all those questions yeah. and kind of put them into one. And this is the Brian question. And that is, we have a lot of different um, views. We have a lot of different people. We have a lot of different perspectives all within this big, you know, confine of being called a libertarian, right? And we talked about this at the start of the show. An- anarchists, uh, minarchists, classical liberals, you know, I-, I don't care, but we're all libertarian, right? How do we take those fractured, warring tribes within the libertarian party and say, hey, we are all trying to bring libertarian candidates to the forefront and actually make substantive, real changes in our elected uh, officials in terms of policy, number one, that they're promoting, but also making sure that, you know, we're we're growing the party beyond the confines of these small, fractured, warring tribes of libertarians. So, Todd, that, that's kind of, if I, if I had to take all those questions in one, that's the, uh, the question I'd ask you. Yeah, so, I mean, I think this is a really good question. And I think what we need to first understand is that we are not unique. Okay, every other political party has this exact same thing. You see it right now in the Democrats with the conservative Democrats, the anti-war Democrats, the um, socialist Democrats. We are not unique. This happens everywhere. How you get through it is by having that hard core branded message that everyone believes in and and that can they can promote and make sure that their winner will at least pass that message, even if they don't pass the Mises caucus or the pragmatic caucuses, you know, um, test. So, so I think, you know, first of all, I don't believe in purity tests at all. I think they're terrible. I think, I think though, if you could call it a purity test, you have one core branded message and you have to believe in that, but there's not something where, you know, you need to believe in all 34 planks of the party. Um, I think that we need to look at this from an 80, 20 approach. There are going to be 20% of the people that drive 80% of the fundraising, we need to cater to those folks inside of our party. The Mises Caucus does a fantastic job fundraising. Why would we ever demonize them from the top of our party? The Pragmatic Caucus has some great points and some great selling points to Republicans that might be on the fence. Why would we demonize them? Uh, There's going to be 20% of the electorate that are not 
libertarians right now that we can target to be libertarians. The other 80% are not going to join our party right now. Uh, but there's 20% out there who are right on the line, right on the edge and so disenfranchised. So how do we go after those folks? We come up with that core branded message. We get it in front of them and we start logical, reasonable explanations of our, you know, it's not we want two lesbians who own a marijuana farm to have nu tactical nukes and tanks. You know, that's not the message that wins those, you know, people that are right on the fence. It is guys, do you know that we're in 150 countries right now defending other people's people? And in 12 of those countries, we're murdering innocent civilians and you paid for it. That's the message that you get in front of the people that are right on the line. You know, you, you, you can put these things in bite-sized pieces. You're going to spend $500,000 on social security, you know, Morgan the wizard, but guess what? You're not going to get any of it because it'll be bankrupt by then. That's how <laughs> yep. you get this in front of Gen Z and you get them to start coming over. So I, so I think the answer to your question is focus on the core branded message and allow the different sectors of libertarianism to exist and thrive. And that's great because they all have their benefits and they should be in the party. And we really should not be talking about kicking anybody out of the party. We should just be talking about um, basically kicking out the language of those folks. So you know, you know, statists are not the statist ideology is not welcome in the party. If you're a statist, I don't care if you're in the party, but the ideology is not going to be represented here. We are going to this is what we're going to focus on. If you do not go to this, then none of the other caucuses are going to, you know, support you. And, and therefore, you're going to be essentially irrelevant. Right. Yep. No, I'm on board. All right. Well, here we go. Let's let's do the, the final question. So you gave the elevator pitch in terms of what you, you envisioned the libertarian messaging to be. Now, Todd, my final question, what's your libertarian um, elevator pitch to all the libertarian delegates out there? Why should Todd Hagopian be the next chairperson of the libertarian party? Yeah. And it, it really comes back to a little bit about what I talked about before. If you right now believe that the Libertarian Party is headed in the right direction and at the right speed and growing at the at the right pace and you like Nick, then I would probably tell you to go vote for Nick. If you believe the Libertarian Party is going in the right direction at the right speed and growing at the right pace and you don't like Nick, I would tell you to go and vote for Joshua Smith. However, if you believe that the Libertarian Party is not growing in the right direction is not growing at the right speed and is not growing in the right trajectory, then you need to have somebody to come in and fix it. And that's what I'm offering. I know how to do that. And the business experience versus the political experience will help me do that if that's what you're looking for. Todd Hagopian, you're running for Libertarian Party Chair. You can find him over on Twitter at Todd Hagopian. He is the Libertarian in Chief. Todd, any last words for my audience? No, I would just say, you know, first and foremost, if you are on the fence, uh, I have set up a link for you to be able to actually go and join the party. It is just ToddHagopian.com. It'll take you right to the join page. And the biggest way to help this party right now is to get involved, whether or not you're going to vote for me or one of the other two. Um, go to ToddHagopian.com. It's only $25. Become a member and start helping us make the change happen. Um, and you know what? I, I just want to finish with this and, 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 I'll, and I'll conclude here is that folks, when you're listening to the show, right? If you're a, a Sarwark fan, you're a Smith fan, 
or you're a Hagopian fan, right? Which that, that sounds like a cool like band name, um, the Hagopians. <laughs> but like, if if you are a fan of one of these three candidates or another candidate that's running, don't think of that other candidates that are running as like enemies and their their followers as enemies. We're all in this together. We are all libertarians, and we're trying to put the best person in in charge of the party to lead us to you know some success. So don't look at you know Joshua Smith as the 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 enemy. Don't look at Nicholas Sarwark as the enemy, and heck, don't look at Todd Agopian, one of the nicest guys in the world, as the enemy. We're all in this together. We're all on the same team. So let's make sure that when we're having these conversations, we're being respectful and we're being uh, you know we're being aware of the fact that other people watch. Other people outside of the Libertarian Party watch how we treat our own, and if we're going to be, you know, de- trying to destroy one another, you know, that that's not going to be a, a, an environment that somebody wants to willingly, you know, voluntarily walk themselves into to, to join because they, they know that it would just be a matter of time before the arrows are turned on them. So I'm I'm asking you not only as an audience but also a, as Libertarians, please. Please, please keep it respectful, um, but also please make sure that you are supporting the candidate that best reflects not only your ideals, but also your vision for the Libertarian Party. Todd, thank you so much for joining the show again. I really uh, I really appreciate you having on. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate being invited. So that's going to conclude my conversation with Todd Hagopian, Libertarian-in-Chief over on Twitter, who is seeking to be the next Libertarian Party chairman. And I got to say, I like what I heard. I mean, his vision for the LP, the professionalism, um, the the branding of the LP, but also winning local elections. Like, folks, if you've been a long-time listener of The Brian Nichols Show, and I mean, like, for the past two years, you know this is what we've been promoting here, like, on a daily basis. So, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to say it. Todd's my guy. Uh, I think Todd has what it takes to be the next Libertarian Party chair. So, yes, consider this an official endorsement of Todd's candidacy to be the LP chair. Um, I would love to see, you know, Todd actually bring his private sector expertise to the Libertarian Party and make the Libertarian Party great again. How about that? So, with that, folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, here, here's what we're going to do. First and foremost, you're going to become a member of the Libertarian Party so you can have a say in the election of the Libertarian Party chairman, right? So what you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to click the link in the show notes that says, I join the Libertarian Party. And that's my sponsorship because I'm working with the Libertarian Party right now to bring more members in. And I can't think of a better time than when Todd Hagopian is running for Libertarian Party chair and we can actually make him Libertarian Party chair. How cool would that be? So what you're going to do is you're going to go to lp.org forward slash Brian Nichols show. That's it. LP dot org forward slash Brian Nichols show. And you're going to go to that link and you're going to sign up to be a member of the largest pro Liberty organization in the country. And then you're going to go out of your way and share today's episode with family and friends, especially those who are also libertarian, because they need to know who Todd is. They need to hear his vision for the libertarian party. And I think once they do, they're going to be on board just like I am. So I say five, can we agree on that? Five family and friends. I mean, preferably if they're libertarians, because I, okay, let's just be real. If you share this episode with a leftist friend, they're going to be like, this is scary. Libertarian, like actual libertarian party politics. This is, this is weird. And and they'd be right. Ha. See, you can get more wit and snark like that over at Twitter at B Nichols Liberty. That's where we're going to go ahead and find my, uh, my witty snarkiness. Um, but if you're more in the meme game, you can head over to our Facebook also at B Nichols Liberty. A lot of fire memes going out over there. Um, I, I, I truly enjoy watching, uh, Republicans who think I'm a conservative for one meme. And then, you know, they realize, Oh no, he's, he's a, 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 would they call me a libertarian? That's always fun to get the libertarian uh, moniker. Um, but then you have folks on the left 
and they're they'll like like a a you know criminal justice uh, meme, and then they were like, oh, he's also uh, uh what do they call me also? Oh, they call me an lolbertarian. Uh, is that how you pronounce what you see on screen? The lol bertarian. Um, so yeah, it, it's fun to make everybody's heads explode, and then once they eventually leave because they realize that they're they're not at a leftist or you know conservative site, um, they decide to dispar, uh, disband, and and then we're left with the rest of us, the, the the common sense folks, the people who believe in not hurting people and not taking people's stuff, the libertarians. And one more ask, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts, give the show a five-star rating and preferably a nice review. That'd be nice too. Uh, It'll help us move up the rankings and hopefully reach more people um, and spread the message of liberty far and wide. And if folks, if you want to be a a great supporter of the show, a a contributing supporter, you could be uh, a one-time PayPal donation supporter at a $5 donation or whatever you can do, uh, you know, a dollar. It all goes back into the show, guys. So if you want to be a reoccurring contributor, you could go to our Patreon, um, become a $5 a month subscriber um again all back into the show so this is how we keep the lights on and honestly this is how we keep on having these great conversations that hopefully i'm saying truly hopefully leave you guys feeling educated enlightened and informed so folks with that thanks for joining us this week it's brian nichols signing off here on the brian nichols show for todd hagopian we'll see you next week thanks for listening to the brian nichols show find more episodes at brian